0: So today I have decided to talk about one of my favorite Korean dramas of all time. Um, I feel like it's been a little while since I did one of my um, 10 reasons to love uh, kind of episodes where I do pick one of my favorite dramas and then I kind of talk about the things that, you know, appeal to me so much about that story and why it is that I love it so much. And, you know, usually with my favorite dramas, you know, I do rewatch them a lot. Um, so today I kind of wanted to dip back into that kind of um segment of the 10 reasons to love and the drama that I've picked to talk about is called man it has so many titles it's either called Between Lovers Just Between Lovers or apparently Rain or Shine. Um, I know it as Between Lovers. It is a 16 episode Korean drama that is actually a melodrama and it came out in 2017. I have this thing that I kind of feel like 2017 was just like a mad good year for K-dramas. I feel like like 80% of my favorite dramas of all time are from fucking 2017. I don't know what that's about, but it is wonderful. Um so this drama is a melodrama but it's more of a quiet one instead of like you know makjang like crazy um but i I did watch it while it aired and it was an interesting thing because, um, you know, I guess I was just following along with different online um, news websites and blogs and stuff that talk about K-dramas because I just love to know what's coming up so that I can kind of decide what shows I want to watch while they're airing or not or what to get excited about. And this drama really, really caught my eye, which was kind of odd because I didn't know I'd never seen either of the leads in it. I'm not even sure if this actress had been in anything before. Apparently she went through like an intense audition process to get this role um, along with 120 other actresses. So, um, that's pretty amazing. And I'm pretty sure the dude is like a K-pop dude. So I'm not sure that he'd been in anything either. And yeah, it was just something about the premise that, um, I heard it was a, you know, a romance melodrama. And that isn't something that I was ever particularly interested in melodrama. I've always been very much about happiness, I think. I like to watch K-dramas because they make me feel happy. Um, But I think probably it's kind of a weird thing to say, but after, you know, I I guess once you experience grief yourself, like I experienced my mom's death in my family. And I think it does change your perspective on sadness. Like it's kind of weird, but before, you know, that horrible thing happened to my family, I would really, really shy away from sad stories and unhappy endings and anything that would make me feel like crying. I just didn't want a bar of it, particularly in stories that I watch for, you know, my entertainment in, my own time um, but then suddenly after her death I guess because you have all this grief um, that you sort of carry around with you and you are sort of just forced to face the fact that death and loss and grief and sadness is a reality of the world that we live in it's just a fact and facing it headlong doesn't really make the world any less beautiful or precious and I think in a lot of ways it it almost makes you realize how much more precious every small, beautiful, quiet moment that you get to experience really is. Um, I guess, you know, I'm sure that death and grief is different for every single human being, because I think we all experience these things from such different kind of places and perspectives. And even if you're in the same family with someone, you're not going to experience something like that in the same way as someone else. But it's something that I really realized about myself um, in my own experiences that it made me a lot less likely to shy away from stories that hurt my heart, Um, but particularly the reason that this story to me is so beautiful is because it's, you know, it is an agonizing melodrama. Everyone is so drenched in misery and trauma, and they're such damaged people, but what you get at the end of this intense journey is a happy ending. I mean, this is a romance melodrama and it has a happy ending. Um, The lead couple end up together and you know they're going to be okay, and you know they're going to be in love for the rest of their lives and they're going to build something together. And it's so romantic, like it's just beautiful. But I think it is such a intense journey, you know, of facing the harsher realities of life, of owning up to death and loss and grief and accepting those things as part of your life and your reality, but learning to live and find beauty in quiet moments anyway. So that was really, I think, my experience with the show and why maybe it really got under my skin so much, but also because I found it unbelievably romantic, um, potentially one of the most beautiful love stories I feel like I've ever seen. I just think it's gorgeous um, in a very slow, understated way. I have heard people say this drama is too slow for them. So, um, you know, I've seen those comments online. So I think it does depend maybe what you're after. Um, so anyway, that was a hugely long intro to my 10 reasons to love between lovers. So from my list of reasons to love this Korean drama, um, I have picked the idea of melodrama. So like I said, I'm, I've never been a huge fan of it, um, but I know that in Korean dramas, melodrama is mad popular. Like it's it's huge. A lot of the biggest K-dramas of all time are full-on melodramas. But I feel also that within Korean dramas, there are very distinctive different types of melodramas. So you have what's called a makjang, which from my understanding is like you know, it's like a bold and the beautiful Summer Bay type thing where, um, you know, everyone's going to have a secret twin that pops out and actually like steals their husband. And then there's a secret child that just turns up and, you know, there's death and betrayal and earthquakes and everything happens. And then, so I think, oh, well, that kind of melodrama, um, man, what is it called? Okay, right. I just looked it up. And um, so to give you an example of like a uh, makjang kind of drama, um, there was in, when did it come out? In 2018, there was a drama called The Last Empress. I think it was actually the start of 2019 as well. So The Last Empress uh, starred Choi jin Hok and also Jang Nara. And it was crazy. I think I've talked about it a little bit on this um, podcast before, but that it would be an example of just like, you know, just madness, complete madness, but, you know, everyone screaming and crying and just emotional and murder and death and just craziness. Um, and another one would be one that was hugely popular many years ago that I really loved. Um, it's such a tongue twister of a title, um, but that mukjang Jung drama was called Baker King, Tim, 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 ta- Tim, ta- Goo, Kim Tak-gu, <laughs> Baker King Kim takgu I think that's what it was called um starring Yoon Shi Yoon and that one was a crazy melodrama but it was it was great fun like it was addictive um I it was about baking and I just couldn't stop eating bread um for like a year I was so obsessed with it but anyway the other kind of I think really popular um Korean melodrama that isn't makjang is more like between lovers so this melodrama genre is so understated. It's so slow. There is this you know, misery and agony in the story, but everything, you know, it's not like a lot happens, I guess, you know, and that's the truth. And I think for a lot of viewers, maybe this show is a little bit slow because it's definitely this massive slow burn. Um, It's about one thing, like one trauma that happens to a bunch of people. And then the main drama is set 10 years later. And it's just about the fallout loss, grief, and how you live on after losing a loved one and losing what your life might have been if they still existed around you. Um, But nothing major happens. You know, it's not like there's a huge plot. If I told you about an episode, um, it would probably take me, you know, not even one sentence because nothing really happens. It's just about interactions between people, changing emotions between people and these really intricate and slowly blooming, I guess, character journeys as these people grow and change because they're meeting each other as they slowly, slowly manage to, I guess, come back to life after, you know, their spark being ignited again after just sleepwalking for 10 years. Um, it, it is a beautiful story and I loved the melodrama. I love it because it's so... Deep and dark and emotional, and I found it unbelievably moving like, just really beautiful. And I think it's that thing that Korean dramas just have this incredible ability to really talk about the minutia of emotion and minutia of quiet moments that have so much weight to them um, and tell these stories that. I don't know, Feels so true in these tiny little moments and the significance I think that they have in in changing your life. Um, so it's a very subtle, nuanced and poignant um, kind of melodrama um, is what I think. Um, I have to admit, so the, the length of the drama is 16 episodes and the first three quarters of the show for me, um, yes, it's slow, but I loved that about it. Um, But the first three quarters for me was perfect. Like, I just couldn't fault it. I was so in love with the show. I do think the very, very last section um, gets a bit more melodramatic as, you know, most shows do. I think if, if if the show had cut off maybe two episodes, I think it would have been perfect. But because they did have to draw out the show a little bit longer, you know, there's a bit of a, a noble sacrifice towards the end where one of the characters are like, I can't be with you because I'm too damaged. And the other characters like, fuck you, I'm damaged too. Why can't we be together? But, you know, they can't for an episode and then they get back together and it's all good. So it's not like... It's not show ruining by any means, but things do enter a more sort of heightened reality towards the end where more bad shit happens to the same group of people than is probably realistic, whilst the rest of the drama is just this, it is very realistic. It's just about trauma and, you know, post-traumatic stress and what these things do to someone. And it, it feels just so real and solid. I loved it. My number two reason to love Between Lovers um, is the location and the setting and the way that it's shot and therefore I think all those things boil together to create atmosphere. So it is the atmosphere of the show that I really love. For me, um, atmosphere really plays into... Uh, plays into the things that I really love. I think the kind of stories, um, and particularly for dramas, um, the visual aspect of how it's shot can really, really help me. Um, this is, this one just happens to have this thing that I just love, um, which is the idea of using natural light, um, to sort of, I guess, light the shots, you know, like instead of having artificial lighting. And I've mentioned this before on the podcast because some of my other favorite dramas have this same kind of element. Um, but this one's very much filmed, you know, a lot of sunset and dawn shots, a lot of sun from behind people and shadows and silhouettes. And it's it's really used to make, um, I guess, for quite a romantic looking shoot, but romantic in all its grittiness, like its gritty realness. So like what we see in this show is a very seedy kind of, um, areas of a city. So we're talking like hostess bars and like sections with lots of, I guess, um, yeah, just a seedy nightclub kind of stuff and dirty streets and um, gritty places and horrible, ugly construction sites that somehow get lit up by, you know, a dawning sun and there's just something about it that looks desolate and somehow beautiful. Um, I'm not actually sure of the location that this is shot. I always just presumed um, that it was just in some sort of seaside city in um, Korea. But when I was rewatching it recently, I did see a bridge that looked very familiar. Um, because I have been to Busan in Korea before, and I'm I'm not sure. I can't really find it. Um, I didn't look very hard in my research to find out where it was <laughs> filmed. So potentially Busan, I think. Um, but if it isn't Busan, it does have that kind of Busan vibe. I'm not sure if it is because no one has the Busan accents. Um, in the show or the country accents, so I'm not really sure. Uh, maybe it's somewhere else. But it is beautiful. So there's a lot of kind of. Um, um, you know, I guess these kind of ramshackle houses all painted, you know, different colors kind of built on these cliff sides overlooking, you know, massive big seaports with big ships and cargo containers. And there's just something very beautiful in, uh, yeah, the grit of it, I think. Um, and there's certain scenes that kind of use this, you know, low light evening time with all the lights coming on in the background and it's, it's a little shitty area and yet it just looks gorgeous because of the way that this drama is filmed. So I just appreciate it so much. I also think that whatever seaside city this is filmed in is a very beautiful place um, and I really enjoyed seeing it on screen. My number three reason to love Between Lovers is the music. So I have mentioned before on the podcast that I'm I'm not really um, a K-pop fan, although, you know, I've, I've heard a couple of BTS songs that I've really liked and, you know, I'm not opposed to it by any means. I like watching the video clips every now and then, um, but I think just my taste in music tends to run a little bit away from pop just in general, even in um, Western music. um, I like a lot of really old school music. I actually studied music at university um, a very long time ago and, you know, never did anything with it and never planned to. Um, But I studied jazz studies. So I was really interested in, you know, music from the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. And um, the kind of music that I listen to, I guess now kind of does skew away from pop, although I still think pop is like Freaking great as well um it's just not always to my taste exactly so um and I do listen to a lot of Korean music um which I might talk about on the podcast sometime in the future because I, I found some really cool stuff but it's more like along the lines of hip-hop and R&B that kind of stuff um but anyway because I'm not so much into I guess pop music um K-pop, okay, sometimes the ballads that get played in K-dramas, I almost find that they ruin the mood a little bit for me. I think that sounds a little bit weird, but it's true. Sometimes I feel like there'll be a very, very romantic scene where, you know, a couple is just about to kiss or something and it's so charged with tension and emotion. And then you get the big soaring ballad over it. And I'm like, oh, it just diffuses everything for me. And I almost feel like if there was just silence, I would prefer that sometimes. But in saying that, this Korean drama, I love the music in it, um, which for me is pretty special because um, it does happen every now and then with the K-drama. That music is just more to my taste. Um, and in this one, it really is. I mean, there's, they're all still pop songs. Of course they are. Um, and they're beautiful. I think they're just there's something very melancholy and I really love the themes. And I think they're used in this really perfect way. For instance, the female lead in this drama has a younger sister um, who is dead, who has died in the past in traumatic circumstances. And every now and then she, she has these like memories that pop up into her head and there's this song that plays. And we see from behind this beautifully filmed shot of her little sister who's this beautiful little girl kind of jumping up and down in slow motion and just running away from the camera with her hair bouncing and a pretty dress and turning around and grinning like all cheeky. And it's the music that plays is so... Oh, it's so moving, you know, it's just one of these things where the way it's shot, the subject matter and the music all come together so perfectly to create such an intense atmosphere. So I would really suggest if you're into music at all, um, I don't know if, if this would be your thing or not. Everyone's so different, of course. But um, yeah, I would definitely check out the soundtrack for this one. Like it's probably one of the, you know, I don't do it very often, but there's one of the K dramas. I was like, I've, I've got to have that soundtrack. It's it's lovely. So there you go. So my number four reason to love Between Lovers is the male lead. Um, he is a wonderful, interesting, and absolute train wreck of a human being. Um, so his name in the show is Lee Gung Do. Uh, so Gung Do is played by the actor Lee Jun Ho, who I had never seen before this. I think he's had a few side parts, um, but. So he's actually in 2PM, which is the K-pop band, um, which is the same one that Tekyon is in, who I've seen in like a million dramas for some reason. Um, watching this K-pop guy, uh, Lee Jun ho in this drama, you would never, ever, ever, like, when I saw, like, pictures of him dancing on stage and being all sexy on stage, I was just like, what? Like, because... It just, that persona of being sort of a stage presence and dancing and singing could not be further from the character in this drama. And that leads me to believe that this dude is a really good actor because he embodies this downtrodden, traumatized, totally fucked up dude, just He just embodies him so well, this actor does. I think he's brilliant in this. And the whole thing about this character is he's like, he's so... Dead inside, I guess, is the truth. He doesn't. He's not really interacting with anything. And because of this, a lot of the show, you know, he's not a very expressive kind of guy. He has these outbursts of. I want to, I don't want to say violence because I don't want to make it sound like he's a violent dude. He's being violent against other people, but he has these like bursts of self, self loathing and these moments where it's like the only thing he can do to feel like something is alive in him is to pick fights on the street and basically get his freaking head bashed in. Like he's just always bashed up because he just can't express himself in any way. But the rest of the time, he barely moves his face. You know, he's not, he's not smiling and he's not animated and he just looks blank all the time. And yet not in a way that makes you think he's not a good actor. It's a way where you, you know, it's nothing to do with acting. It's this character, this character, he doesn't feel much. And it means that, you know, a lot of it is his eyes. You can just see I guess what the character is feeling from these tiny tiny things that the actor is doing and so when the actor gives like the tiniest tiniest little upturning of like one corner of his mouth like the almost a smile but barely like it feels like such a huge moment um, whenever that happens in this show because it's so rare and It's so noticeable, I suppose, um, to see him smile or to see him laugh. And also, you know, when he smiles and like his eyes get all small and crinkly and look really nice. And it's like it's a moment. It's a real moment. And of course, it's a moment for the female lead when she sees this as well. It's very striking, I suppose, because he's just such a damaged human being. So, I guess I should actually tell you guys a little bit about the story of this show. So, um, the show opens with a, a scene about this shopping centre, um, which is in this city, and all these characters are there, played by the younger counterparts of the main characters um, from the show. So, they're all about 15 or 16 or 17 or something like that, and they're hanging out in the shopping centre, and they don't know each other, it's all separate, but basically the shopping centre collapses. And, um, a lot of people die, 48 people die, including, you know, the male leads dad. So Gangdu's dad dies and the female lead, whose name is Soo, um, her younger sister dies in this accident. And then the rest of the show is about set 10 years later, and it's about the ripples of this experience. But the thing that you slowly begin to find out as the show goes on, um, particularly about Gung is he is so haunted by this event. Not only did it ruin his life, um, he was sort of, I guess, on a fast track to be quite good at soccer and, you know, really, really do well, like be a proper player, maybe for his country. And um, this, this accident completely ruins that. But on top of that, he's, you know, him and his younger sister, um, they only have their dad because their mother has already passed away. And the dad dies. He's, he's working on the construction site because some of the shopping center is still like being finalized. And um, his dad dies in the, you know, the, whatever, it is, the collapse. And um, because of that, Gangdu basically has to suddenly become a father figure to his younger sister. He has to look after her. He has to pay her way. And he ends up taking out a massive loan so that she can go to university and study to be a doctor. So he has loan sharks on him. And it's just like he just immediately from the time he is this very young man and he's so angry, like he is just barely contained fury. And he just sinks into the seediest world, you know, that he never would have even touched if his dad had been alive to look after him. So it's more than just the loss of his father that ruins him. It is also the loss of what he could have been, the loss of his innocence, the loss of hope and the loss of a chance for him to live. So by the time we meet him again, 10 years later, he's just like this unfeeling drifter who's just turned off. He's just always in fights. Like whenever he like, it gets too much for him, he just lashes out and he ends up in, you know, fights. So he's always cut up and bashed up and his face is all fucked all the time. Um, But other than that, he just sort of drifts around, you know, and he's best friends, I guess, with two women. One is quite elderly and is this really cranky old harmony, like this old grandmother who like works in a kind of like, you know, in a seedy old street in the city. And she's um, sort of a doctor, um, but she's like an off the books doctor. So if you are, say, an illegal immigrant, that's where you go if you need help, um, like medical help. Um, Or she helps, um, you know, look after all the hostess women, or I guess, you know, that kind of seedy underbelly stuff. And then his other friend is this slightly older woman, this incredibly beautiful woman who is, um, you know, owns a hostess bar. And um, so, you know, he's just so he's so just, it's all underbelly stuff. And he, his life is just going nowhere, I guess. And he doesn't even give a fuck because I think the truth about this character is that he loathes himself. And that is a big part of the drama, I think is trying to make him realize that he's worth anything, that he's worth having a love story, um, that he's worth existing. Um, and the thing that we really find out about him throughout the drama, that's, the big kicker is um, him and the female lead Moon Soo did meet during this collapse. Of course they did. You know, they have the the childhood connection or teenage connection. Um, But what happens is when the building collapses, he wakes up and he's underneath all this shit, like construction shit everywhere. And he's trapped under the building. And a lot of people get trapped and up above, like, you know, the rescue teams are trying to get them all out, but they can't even fucking find these people. Um, And poor June, uh, (laughs) <laughs> Poor Gangdu, uh, you know, his soccer career is over because he has a fucking metal rod freaking lanced right through his knee, basically. So he's fucked. He can't move. He can't get out. He's just stuck there. And he meets Moonsu, who's also stuck there. And they have all these conversations. And then eventually she gets found. But when she gets pulled out, she hits her head and she is just so traumatized. She loses her memories and she never gets a chance to tell the rescue team that that boy is still down there. And he ends up down there for many more days. And he ends up down there in the same tiny section with this other boy who dies in front of him. So he's basically stuck under the earth thinking he's going to die with a dead body of a boy his age. And it fucks him up uh, royally, as you would expect completely. As a character, I love him. I loved him um he's so ruined and damaged but you just want him to crawl out of that hole you want him to survive you want him to find a shred of happiness in your life obviously I meant his life not your life I hope you have many shreds of happiness in your life (laughs) all right so my number five reason to love between lovers is the female lead so the female lead is played by an actress called Won Jin-ah. Um, so apparently, so I think this is her first kind of major role at all. She just went through an audition process, like I said before. So this is, she's so natural and good in this. Um, she's actually a really interesting character, actually. Her ne- her, the character's name is Ha Moon-su. Um, the reason I think that she's interesting is because she's, I guess she's very normal. So she's not a female lead. I guess that's lashing out or has this like strong, bold personality or is so damaged that they're so shy that they can't talk. Like she's just this kind of medium that is so recognizable to, you know, if you met her, you could meet her in real life. She's She just feels like someone that could really, really exist. And I think it's really interesting, I suppose, to and I kind of like it. They haven't given her any, you know, big special sort of personality quirk or big thing. They really haven't. She's just quiet and nice and lovely and thoughtful but she still speaks her mind and she still interacts and she is just normal but in this really endearing likeable way. Um, she's very very natural I think in this show and I really liked her. So the big difference between Soo and Gangdu is that After Gangdu experiences this intense trauma in his teenage years, you know, it's so full on that it consumes the rest of his life and it ruins him. For Moonsu, it's so traumatic that she buries it deep and literally forgets that it ever happened. So when these two sort of come across each other's path again in the future, and they both end up for different reasons, um, working in different capacities on construction of a new building on the site of the shopping centre collapse. So it's very traumatic for both of them to be there. Um, But for her, she has blocked the experience of being caught under the ground for however many days she was down there with Gung Do. So Gung Do realizes quite early on who she is, and he realizes that they had this traumatic experience together. And, you know, she was an absolute, I mean, they were both a lifeline for each other. They were stuck under there as young, you know, young teens and thinking they're going to die. Um, so they have a very, I guess, intense sort of um, experience together. Um, and he meets her again. So that's a pretty big deal. But for Moonsu, she has, she hits her head. But really, I think it's a trauma thing. She has blocked it out. So she vaguely remembers the initial collapse, like when the building starts shaking. And then she wakes up in the hospital. So she forgets that she's ever met him. And Gung-doo ends up struggling like so much with this idea of he's fucked and she's dealing with her traumas, but trying just do her best and get through life. And she is not as fucked as he is. And is it right to tell her the truth of what happened that to get her, you know, by telling her that it was him and what happened to get her to remember something that traumatic He doesn't want to ruin her life by forcing her to remember something that she doesn't want to remember. But at the same time, he so badly wants her to remember because then he's not alone anymore. You know, there's someone else to share this awful thing with. And that would, I think, alleviate some of his pain. So I really, really like Moonsu a lot. There's kind of like a love triangle element, but it's so barely there, to be honest. There's a second male lead who sort of hovers around and stares at her a lot. And he has his whole own other trauma stuff related back to the shopping center collapse, of course. So everyone's very fucked up in this show. Um, but Moonsu, I really liked it too. You know, like if you put Gungdu and Moonsu together, you would never sort of see them as a couple. And I think that's a thing that a lot of the other characters sort of think in the show as well. You know, he's just this real rough dude from like the seedy side of town. And she is, you know, she lives in a bathhouse with her mum and her mum is just turned into a complete alcoholic because of the guilt of losing her daughter. Um, The mother really feels like it's her fault for pushing the younger daughter a certain way. Like she basically brought her to the shopping centre that day for certain reasons. So the, the mother is an absolute wreck. And Moonsu is just She's so quiet, but she's just getting on with life. And she's really ready, I think, to live and breathe and kind of let it go, I think, at this point. And when she meets Gung even before she knows that he was involved, you know, in that he was there at the accident or anything like that, or that he lost someone, she just, she's interested in him. I think he just interests her there's this spark of she wants to know about him and he's obviously into her straight away as well but I think for him it's a little bit more of I don't want to say game but he probably sort of pushes back a bit and is a bit rough and just doesn't quite believe it. Ha- it's gonna happen but at the same time he's still always there but I kind of like how outgoing she is um I don't want to say in her pursuit of him, because it's not like that, but she still isn't embarrassed to sort of kind of go find him and go talk to him and ask him questions. And at first, I think you're not really sure if it's a romantic thing or if she's just, she's just interested in who he is. And you, it makes sense when you watch it, you get it. But I think pretty quickly, it's pretty obvious that she just likes him. She really, really, really likes him. And he obviously, you know, just their interactions make her think and they make her feel. And, you know, he's super hot and his face is always cut up and he looks nice. So I'm sure that has something to do with it. But um, it's, it's really moving. And I really just I liked that she was a bit, I guess, not so reserved in the way that she inserts herself into his life. And she really puts herself out there. And I think that really, really, really moves him because he's not really used to anyone caring about him. And there's a couple of scenes, you know, like at one point she hears that he gets hurt on the construction site when she goes to see him and she just freaks out. So she hears that he's gone to a hospital, but no one knows where. And she's so freaked out. She goes and waits in front of his little shitty house for him. And when he comes in, she just like freaks at him and kind of yells at him for like not answering his phone and like, you know, was so worried he was hurt. And the expression on his face, like he's just so shocked, like utterly disbelieving that anyone could give a fuck about him enough to care whether he was hurt or not um so their their relationship is so tentative i suppose would be the word um and i think because of that all these tiny moments between them have like a depth of meaning so you know sometimes you watch a k drama and you're just waiting for them to kiss, you're waiting for them to kiss. And then when they do, you're like, yeah, well, this one, it's like, you're just waiting for you know him to t- like crack the smallest bit of smile. And then that's a huge milestone. You're waiting for like her to touch him on the arm or something. And it's a huge milestone. So it's such a slow burn kind of affair, um, which I really, really love. So I really like Moonsu. I think the thing that's nice about her is just how natural she is. Um, she's very endearing and likable, but Strong and fragile at the same time, you know, um, she you can see that she's cracking under the pressure of this traumatic past. But I think she's also much more focused on living well and breathing and being happy than Gangdu is only because he believes he can't. My number six reason to love this drama, Between Lovers, is the romance. Um, the romance is the point of this drama. Like, it is about grief, and it is about loss, and it is about fucking constructing buildings or some shit. <laughs> but it is it is about romance. Like, it is a romance melodrama. You watch this because you want to watch the romance, I think. I don't think you would watch this for its plot or anything else, you know. um, certainly has a lot of poignant moments about you know, life as well. And um, daily, you know, that kind of stuff, it it certainly has this this beautiful themes running through it. But definitely the romance is the main theme. It is the main thing that's going on in the show. And like I've said, it is just excruciatingly slow in a way that I adore. Um, but it is, it is very, very slow burn, um, which is my favorite thing, but I think maybe sometimes people can find it too slow. I don't really know. Um, I just loved it. I, I found this show so utterly romantic. Um, There's, you know, and every single interaction between them, because it is so slow, it really, it's just so emotional and carries so much and kind of shows so much about what they're thinking and feeling. And, you know, at the start of the drama or sort of towards the start of the drama, when you're still getting to know the characters and there's this, you know, these scenes where she's sort of, Moonsu's just sort of, kind of turning up around him quite a lot and being near him. And then Gangdu sort of organizes a thing at work. He gets given a job he has to do. Um, and he sort of, you know, he asks that he, he has to do it with her. So, you know, they get assigned to the same job so they can spend lots of time together. And he's more like push and pull, I suppose. Some some points he's like going to seek her out and other points he's kind of like walking away. Like he's very hot and cold, I suppose, because he just doesn't really know what he's doing. Um, But you can see him smiling more um, when he sees her and just seeking her out and just generally being happier in his life. And then this moment happens where he gets this call from his sister. um, So his younger sister, who's the doctor that he's paid for her to get through university. And he gets this call from her and his whole face just lights up because his life is just lately gotten better and he's starting to feel happiness again and his face lights up and he's like wow you're calling me so early in the morning this is so great and they have a very strained relationship and the sister is furious at him because the lone sharks have turned up to her hospital and embarrassed her in front of her colleagues and you know um, because he's missed a payment and it just you just see it like he's so apologetic to her he's so ashamed and he's just like I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry it won't happen again it won't happen again but you just see the world crashing down on him. This this idea that for a moment he was feeling happiness and felt like maybe he could potentially be happy or he deserved happiness. And with this, you know, turn of events, he, it suddenly reminds him in his eyes what a piece of shit he is and that he is so undeserving of anything. And so, you know, immediately he just runs straight off to the loan Shark place and just launches in there and gets into a huge fistfight and is just so manically angry. And it's, it's sad, you know, it's just really sad. And I think the whole romance is just built up of these these moments, like, you know, a scene like that doesn't even have Moon Moonsu in it, and yet it advances their romance so much, I think, um, through the storytelling, and because you can see what he's feeling, he's starting to feel like he could have this, and then he's seeing it taken away, and then the next scene, you know, he goes to find Moon Moonsu, and he's really, really late to get there, and he's all cut up and bashed up, and she's pissed at him because he was supposed to come meet her for something, but then instead of you know, kind of chucking him aside and getting really angry. She's kind of like fussing over him. You know, she starts like wiping down his jacket and trying to fix his hair and looking at his face and the cuts. And there's just this moment where he's quite struck by it, you know, like she gives a shit about him and he's not used to it. And so it's just this constant push and pull. And the romance is just beautiful. I loved it. (laughs) So the number seven reason that I love Between Lovers is the theme of grief and loss um, that really permeates the entire drama. It is a running thread through every interaction and every moment. And like I've said before in this review, it's not just about the loss of someone that you love, it's the loss of the impact that they would have had on your entire life. It's how your life turns out differently because of that loss or that and that traumatic experience and it's sort of explored in many different ways um, there's so basically these two characters um, Gangdu and Moonsu because they're kind of working for this construction for this building and they end up being put on a, a job which is th- because it's on the site of this building collapse where all these people died There's going to be a monument put up, um, you know, like a remembrance monument. And they both get assigned to do it, even though no one in the office kind of realizes that they have these very personal connections um, to the project and that both of them will have, you know, a loved one's name appear on the monument. So they start going out um, to visit other monuments and, you know, kind of looking at plans of how to do it and, and trying to think about it all. And one of the I guess one of the the ideas that they kind of come across is the idea that a monument isn't for the people who died. It's for the victims who got left behind and they were victims, too. They were just as much, if not in some ways more, um, you know, impacted by this terrible, terrible thing that's happened because they're the ones that have to struggle onwards after it's happened carrying that loss with them. And so there's a lot of, I guess, different ways the drama sort of explores these themes. But at one point, um, you know, gung and Moon-soo are going to try and meet family members, still surviving family members of the people who died in the collapse. And they go to this, just this little shitty place up on this hill, like, you know, little dirty hovel homes. And they come to this one and it's high like got a high gate and they can't get in and they're looking for this elderly mother of a man that died in the collapse um to talk to her about their project and Moonsu, like, she can't get in. So she's sort of walking around the side. And then gung just has this feeling that something's wrong. Um, you can see the doors open, but no one's coming. So he, he just jumps over the wall, gets inside and, and walks in. And he kind of gets into the main room and he can see, like, he just sees this woman's feet poking out and he can tell that she has fallen and she has died and she lives alone. And there's no one to look after her because her son's already dead in this collapse. And it's so sad, like like. like it's traumatic. Like you just, you feel so sorry for him because he's so hurt by seeing it, like just so hurt. But then when Moonsu comes up behind him, he just turns around and explodes at her, like, don't come, don't come any closer. And she's sort of like, why, what? And keeps coming. And he just screams at her, like, stay away. And I just think it's such a, This interesting thing, like he's so hurt by what he's seen, but at the same time, he wants to protect her from seeing it. And it comes back to that push and pull within him of does he want to tell her the truth about this traumatic thing that she's experienced or does he want to let her live, you know? And if she's okay, then maybe that's enough, but he's drowning. And it's just such an interesting, I guess, dynamic between them that all ties back into this idea of grief, I suppose. Um, So I really, really liked the way the drama explored the minutiae of it and maybe different themes relating to it. And I guess the idea of facing it, you know, maybe not burying these things, not turning away and pretending that they're not real. Like in order to live well, you have to accept that these awful, awful things that happen are part of life and that's just the way it is. Um, so I really, really, I really loved those themes in this show. I found them very moving. My number eight reason to love Between Lovers is the first kiss scene. Um, it, it doesn't happen very soon in the drama. I think it's like you have to wait seven hours or something before this scene arrives. Um, it is so quiet and understated and beautiful. I really, really liked it. Um, basically, you know, they end up hanging out and at this point, you know, nothing's really been said between them, but they do just sort of keep gravitating towards each other, I suppose. They both want to spend time with each other, um, even though neither of them is sort of making it into a big deal at this point. Um, and Moonsu just gets Roaringly drunk because she's had you know a very emotional kind of bad experience um with him actually because he sort of yelled at her to be honest um and he's not drunk because he, he doesn't like soju and he drinks beer. But Moonsu um, drinks like three bottles of soju and it's just crazy. But you see, it's just it's about this thing where she's just doesn't want to think about bad shit. She just wants to have this moment where she's sort of tottering around and just having fun and like, you know, looking at the view and all this different stuff and just saying all this like really silly shit. And it's really like it's a lovely scene. It's quite fun, too, because she's all over the place and he's just kind of very hard done by and he's like, oh, I'm lifting her on the plate like. Off, up off the pavement and she's sending him to get more alcohol and he's just kind of like does everything she says but it's very huffy about it and they end up down by you know down by the ocean and it's just beautiful it's like they're kind of under this bridge next to this lighthouse and you see all the big ships and the shipping containers and all that stuff in the distance and it's that that, that whole thing that I keep talking about with the grit, but the beauty of the grit. So it's like an industrial shipping port. So it's not like what you would call traditionally beautiful, but you know, with the lights on and the low light and the silhouettes, like it is beautiful. And they sit next to each other on a park bench or, you know, a bench down at, um, down beside the, the port. And, um, Moon-Soo is just super drunk and she just looks at him and he's just sitting beside her, you know, he just followed her around all night looking after her while she's in this crazy state. And she just stares at him and then leans over and just gives him like the softest, sweetest kiss. Like it's nothing, you know, passionate. It's just this kiss of it's beautiful, I guess, Um, but very tender. And he, you know, he's so completely shocked. Uh, it is like a non-moving kiss, but somehow it's still really good. Like it, it really was wonderful. And then, um, you know, she just sort of collapses against him and goes to sleep. She's so drunk and, you know, the drama kind of shows a little bit of like, he's sort of like a bit awkward or whatever, but then there's this beautiful scene and it's the next morning and she wakes up and she's still like kind of leaning on him and he's got his arm around her and she's wearing his jacket and, you know, their silhouette over like the sunrise over the water. And it's just beautiful so beautiful. And he stands up and stretches and she's really, really embarrassed. She doesn't really know what happened the night before, but she knows, she knows that he stayed out all night holding her up and letting her sleep on him. And it's very, very intimate and personal, like kind of feeling, I suppose. She knows that something has shifted and she's very embarrassed um, for being so drunk. And he, you know, just doesn't say anything. And he stands up and then he just kind of offers her his hand and it's like, let's go. And it's this, I don't know. It's such a powerful, beautiful moment. And I think it's like such a good example of what this show is so good at, which is, you know, swoon worthy romance, but in these tiniest, quietest of moments, Um, you know, no big, you know, 12 dozen roses and like, you know, ballads and songs, um, you know, that kind of uh, big gesture stuff. It's just in the quietest small things. And this moment where he's been willing to sit there in the cold with her all night long and then he stands up and offers her his hand is just so romantic. Um, so it's a different kind of romance story, I suppose. But I, I just love it. I love it so much. Well, my number nine reason to love Between Lovers uh, was actually, you know, the idea of celebrating these really quiet moments, um, which I've, I've kind of touched on already in all my other sections, because I really think it, that's what the whole show is built on. It's so quiet and so understated and so nuanced and so poignant. Um, and I guess that's all I'll say on that one. You know, it's just it's it's done in such an amazing way that these the smallest of interactions or Even just a shot where people don't even say anything, they just sit quietly next to each other, it really means so much and it makes you feel so much emotionally. And I think that's very, very, very clever storytelling. Um, So much of, I guess, the impact of that is through, I think, the way it's shot and the atmosphere of the show. But these, these small moments really feel like they mean a huge amount. my number 10 reason to love between lovers, uh, comes back full circle and it's just the romance again. Um, I had to put it in twice because usually that's my favorite aspect of any show. That's usually why I love it so much. Um, But, you know, it's why the show exists. It's what the show is. It's what the show is for. Um, And it is, I think, one of the most romantic K-dramas I've ever watched. So that's it from me um, on Between Lovers and my 10 reasons to love it. Um... I hope that if you haven't seen it and it did sound interesting to you that you might check it out. I think it's one of those kind of underrated gems, like the people that are fans of it are like mad fans of it, like me. Um, But then I think it it also flies under the radar a bit, uh, radar a little bit because it is it's not fast moving. It's not very plotted. It's not funny. It's not like a jaunty sort of happy experience. It's this real, you just immerse yourself in this whole different world and sink into it. It's like molasses or something. It's beautiful, but I don't think it would be for everybody. Um, But if that does sound like your jam, I really hope that you will give a try to the fantastic 2017 romance melodrama called Between Lovers. So now it is time for my random thing of the week. Um, But this week, my random thing isn't actually that random at all. So that is a change of pace. It's like a plot twist. Um, So basically, I've just picked a quote out um, from Between Lovers. It's just something one of the characters said. and I think the whole show is just filled with these little, you know, nuggets of wisdom um, as many K-dramas are, I must say. Um, but I really enjoyed this one. So I thought I'd just read you out this really lovely quote. Um, it is a quote from the old Halmoni, who's the old grandmother, who's like the, you know, she kind of works in this weirdo underground doctor place that he's always going to because, um, you know, he has knee pain or whatever. Um, <laughs> But basically, she's this old cranky woman who is um Gung-doo's really close friend you know and it's it's quite a sweet strange relationship that they have Um, and here's this nice quote that I liked things you can't change no matter how hard you try just leave it alone don't try so hard sad and painful things are always with us we have to accept it what else can we do I really love it because I think it really sums up the the main feel of the show, the main theme and ideas of the show, you know, and I, I guess it just worms its way into my heart so much as does the whole show because it is something that I think I had to think about a lot, um, you know, at hard times in my own life and it's kind of the conclusion that I came to as well. Sometimes you can't look at a bad thing and wonder why it happened or think of what-ifs or Try and figure out how things could have been different or if you did something wrong. Sometimes, sometimes to be honest, life is just shit. Sometimes it is. And all you can do is accept it as a part of life and try your best to keep living and keep living well and keep being kind to other people and just do your best to be happy. And I think that that is worth it. You know, um, I really do. So, yeah. I think, you know, it's the kind of show that made me feel but also think.